I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone, to this extraordinary episode of Talking Horror as we discuss the 2022 American slasher film, Pearl, subtitled, an extraordinary origin story, which I didn't realize that. <laughs> but it is in the trailer that it says that, like, right underneath her name. But it still didn't register to me. So that's the subtitle of that, if anyone wanted to know. Please, Lord, make me the biggest star the world has ever known. So that I'll make it far, far away from this place. Well, caring for your family during these times is admirable. But you only get one take at this life. If only they would just die. Nothing. Obviously, this is the prequel to the movie X, which if you haven't listened to our episode on that, pause, go back and listen to that, and then come back and listen to us talk about this movie, Pearl. So Pearl was directed by Ty West again, and I didn't know this, it was co-written by Ty uh, and Mia Goth, which was really cool to have her as an actor be a part of the writing process. And I'm sure we'll kind of discuss uh, that throughout this episode as well. So the movie obviously stars uh, Mia Goth, David Corenswit, Tandy Wright, Matthew Sunderland, and Emma Jenkins Perrow. And this is again, the prequel to the movie X and the second installment in this three movie Ty West trilogy chain. So we're super excited. After this, it's Maxine. And I'm sure we'll cover that as well. Uh, Because I just have to say, I think it is a very genius idea to have this already be a a trilogy moment that might even be all coming out in the same year. Do we know if Maxine is coming out this year? Unsure. Unsure. I would love... Producer Brian here. I would. Yes. <laughs> we've only had that short little teaser that played at the end of the movie, as well as you can get it online. But mm-hmm. like, it just says coming soon or whatever it is. I would love to get it this year. What a fun yeah. thing to get a full trilogy in one year. But even if it's early next year, like I'm totally fine because this is the trilogy I did not know I needed, and I'm obsessed. With it. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. Uh, so before we get into everything that is Pearl and probably some about X as well, there's going to be heavy spoilers. I'm just going to go ahead and say it for both movies, uh, yeah. X and Pearl, because um, I'm sure we'll be comparing and going through the through line of the story. And producer Brian, any other things you would like to say to us before we dive in? Uh, yeah, we're on YouTube too. So find us on YouTube. Hi, everyone. If you can see us. Hi. Uh, yeah, we're just putting these on YouTube as well. Um, Jamie is tickling you. She looks like a uh, ghost. <laughs> <laughs> she also looks like a ghost. Um, yeah, totally intentional. Very. Yeah. 
on purpose. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are uh, putting those there. Uh, and then you can follow us on social media at Talk Horror Pod. We're having a lot of fun on TikTok. And then we also have stuff on Instagram as well as Twitter. So follow us there. And then, uh, you know, find us wherever our podcast is. Subscribe. If this is your first time listening to us, um, please subscribe. We would really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, uh, let's let's go back to you, Nikisha. Cute. <laughs> well, I'm going to kick it over to Jamie because tell us about those trigger warnings. I'm sure there's a lot. Yes. This is a, this is a gooey movie. Um, gooey. Actually, wait, before I... <laughs> Before I say I that, that, did you know for Maxine, there's an online open casting call for people to minute. be extras and the rules, yes, this is real. The rules say that you have to reenact the final standoff between Pearl and Maxine, both played by Mia Goth in X. You can submit your audition videos on TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram with the hashtag X casting call. And the deadline is, uh, is September 28th at midnight. Done and done a million times. <laughs> but my question, my question is, if you if you're recreating the thing, like, is it just you recreating these two <laughs> scenes between these people, or I got to find mean, somebody else? Perhaps, perhaps that is it. So I guess maybe that is the point because Mia Goth is playing both of both. these. Mm-hmm. I'm in it to win it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That'd be fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, I need to mention this. Um, but back to this gooey movie. Yes, um, yes there, is, there is some slashing. There are some insides on the outside. There are some, uh, some images of people who have already been murdered and are decomposing. There's some decomposing animal bits as well. Um, there are, uh, you know, sexual references um i think that's most of it just mostly stabbing still yes and axe chopping stabbing chopping pitchforks limbs. chopping limbs heads Ooh. heads eaten by alligators yes jeez it's it's a lot which we're gonna get all into but first i want to ask you guys have you watched anything this week tell me about that We've watched a lot of stuff this week. And I was mm-hmm. going to say Pearl, but we already knew that. <laughs> um, yes. So <sighs> we watched. So one non-horror thing that we watched that we really liked was Top Gun Maverick. Oh, nice. That was really good. Um, okay. You know, I guess we watch a lot of sequels on here. This is a prequel, but like we watch a lot of sequels. And that was like one of the better sequels I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Well, I heard good reviews about that. Yeah. That movie. Yeah. Um, but spooky-wise, Jamie and I watched um, uh, uh, Gaungiem Haunted Asylum. Never heard of it. Uh, Ooh, it is a- if you like found footage and spooky places, mm-hmm. this, was, this was a really good one. It was recommended a whole bunch by people on TikTok. Oh, okay. Yeah. TikTok coming through. It was awesome. Um, we have a couple more... Uh, to watch that were suggested on TikTok. Like apparently people really love grave encounters, which I've never seen. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's next on our list that way. Um, also butterfly kisses. We've never seen, but uh, it's supposed to be awesome. Um, and then uh, we also watched uh, do revenge. Oh, the, is that Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it really amazing. good. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's mm-hmm. starring, um, 
Maya. What's her name from Maya yes. Hawk? Maya Hawk. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, um, it okay. was spectacular. It was mm-hmm. really great. I'm obsessed with it. Nice. Yeah, like the teen, oh. the teen raunchy, not raunchy, the teen, you know, revenge flick I didn't know I needed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll put that on my list for sure. Yeah. It's really good. It does not follow the s- – basically, it doesn't follow the same, like, formula that those movies are um, mm-hmm. so that you feel like you're getting one thing and you get something else, and it's so, so good. The acting is great. I feel like it really does an amazing job of showing female relationships in high school to a heightened extent, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The acting and writing, it just, it's just like – it's such a banger. And a great cameo. Oh, yeah. Ooh. An excellent cameo for sure. Okay, okay. Um, and then maybe most importantly, on Shudder, we've been watching uh, the 100 Scariest Movie Moments. Uh, oh, that sounds fun. The first mm-hmm. two episodes were out. And, um, yeah, we're putting a lot of new stuff on our to-watch list. We're, we're arguing. We're like, that should not be this low or that should not be on the list at all or that should be not high. Or this, yeah. is, <laughs> th- this is only on the list because the movie is good. This is not actually a scary scene from that movie. Like, mm. we're really digging it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I you like that, that Bravo's scariest movie moments from back in the late, I don't know, two, early 2000s, maybe. I forget when it was airing, but mm-hmm. it's like the same exact vibe. Oh, Interviews from, you know, people in the biz, people, critique, uh, critics, all, all that stuff. It's It's got that same that same energy. Okay. Well, listen. You know I love a Watch Mojo top ten. Oh, Nikki, so. you're gonna be up. You're gonna love it. This is like <laughs> this was made for you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, wasn't there another um, uh, like documentary series we started on Shutter? Oh yeah, we started watching Cursed Films. Mm-hmm. So it basically takes like movies that are supposedly quote cursed. And like mm-hmm. it does like a 20 to 30 minute little mini documentary on them. Each episode is a different movie. We've been flipping around from season one to season two, but we yeah. watched um, Poltergeist and nice. we watched uh, Cannibal uh, Holocaust. Right. I've already scrubbed it from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I need to get a, a, a shutter uh, subscription or we need to figure out a way for them to. To sponsor talking. <laughs> hey, hey, Shutter! Hey, sponsor us. Hey, Give us subscriptions, us. and we'll and we'll cover all your stuff. Because there's some apparently there's some really great stuff that's actually dropped recently, and then VHS ninety nine, which we will be covering on this podcast because mm, I, mm-hmm. I love yeah. those movies. Um, uh, is on Shutter as well. So we like Shutter. This is non sponsored, but we'd like it to be Shutter. 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 Please. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, speaking of streaming services in general, so on Netflix, I know I'm late to the game, but I started watching the show You. Mm. And every time I tell anyone that, oh, yeah, I started this, everyone's like, why have you not watched this? It seems like this would be something that you would absolutely watch. Well, you know, I am having, I am on the struggle bus. It's one of those train wrecks you can't stop watching. Sure. But you just know that. Everyone in that show is just terrible. Everyone is is making poor choices. It's you want all of the slimy, creepy people to get caught, and it's it's a a mind fight of, of 
who am I rooting for in this? Who am I supposed to, to be hoping succeeds in this? Because it's just so much, so much chaos that is happening. But again, I can't stop watching it. And so I will continue on mostly also because, um, our favorite girl, which I can't remember her real name, who is in all of the haunting of Bly Manor and, yeah, she mm-hmm. ends up in one of the seasons after season one. So I'm just waiting for her appearance in, in all of this. Mm. Uh, but it is gruesome. And I I don't know how to feel uh, about it. But I'm going to keep watching it. So we'll see what happens. We, ha- we have not watched it. <laughs> okay. So we're behi- even behind you. So th- that should make it's you feel better. Watch. Okay. I feel, it, I feel a little It's better. Victoria Padretti. I just want yes. to look up her name. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, cool. I'm, not, I'm just waiting for her to come. But if you guys decide decide to watch it, you know, let me know. <laughs> I can yeah, tell you I, that it's, it's better than um, uh, Fifty Shades. <laughs> okay, that's... That's not hard. Not hard, right. hard. But also, like, I don't know. And, and Crickman, shows like that don't interest me because mm-hmm. it feels like a 13 Reasons Why. It not, and I've not, never seen never that. that. Yeah, like I have no interest in glorifying these horrible things. Yeah. Do you know what it's I mean? Hard. I guess – and we could talk about Pearl. But like <laughs> I I mean I just don't like – like the idea of teen suicide and like turning into a mystery and like glorifying it over the course of a couple of seasons. And then like – and then the you kind of – it's more like – it's like stalker stuff and like toxic yes. relationship stuff, right? Yeah, it is. And, and it makes you feel – I can absolutely see women – or anyone who is who is attracted to men watching this and thinking, oh my gosh, I would love to have somebody who loved me that much to stalk and kill for me. I mean, that's like that's the vibe that it's giving out of it is this is the relationship that you want to be in. Someone who is with you so much that they would do all of this stuff for you. And it's so toxic. And you're right, Brian. It's it's glorifying something that's really, really messed up. <laughs> I I also just want to say that I am not on some high horse. I watch shit like that all the fucking time. Yeah. Those two, for some reason, fall into my high like hypocrite like web. You know what I mean? High, like that's yeah, too I'm just like <laughs> it doesn't interest me. Meanwhile, here I am like watching like. I don't know, all the Twilight movies enjoying the hell out of them. But, rec- <laughs> but recognizing like that it's not saying anything more and it's just like it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I guess as a human, I can delineate between like this is right. commentary and saying something about it and being, you know, um, critical of it. Whereas like this thing is just like using it to its own advantage to like hook you in and like yeah. that's perfectly fine. Yeah. It's so random, but I'll keep you posted. I'm sure it's probably going to be the same, <laughs> same thing all the way through. But yes, we want your regular you updates here on Talking oh Horror. It's just <laughs> I, again, I can't stop watching it. Anyway, so let's get into Pearl because there's going to be a lot yeah. of, of for us to discuss, um, especially in that moral um, high ground moment. Well, with that, uh, we need to give a two minute plot summary of Pearl. So. It might be my turn. I think I yeah. I'll volunteer as tribute. Okay. <laughs> What's the plot? So kind of you. <laughs> all right. Are you ready? Two minutes on the clock. I want you to tell me all about Pearl. Go. 
So it's set in, what, 1918, and so there's a war happening, there's the Spanish flu happening, and uh, it was really weird seeing those people with masks and talking about not getting the germ. Eek. So we have Pearl. She wants to be famous. Mostly she wants to be a dancer, but she lives on a farm with her mom and her dad, who she has to take care of because there is, he got he got the Spanish flu. I don't know. I wasn't sure about what his illness was, but anyway, he uh, needs to be taken care of. So she can't do the things that she wants to do. Her mom gives her money to go get her dad medicine. And so she goes to the movies while she gets medicine and um, it kind of fuels her need to want to get off the farm and be a dancer, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So eventually her mother finds out there's a really crazy dinner scene where her mother is saying, I see the evil inside of you. You need to chill out. And she is saying, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to go audition for this dancer troupe. And so her uh, her and her mother get into an argument and somehow her mother catches on fire because she pushes her into the fireplace and uh, she throws her down the stairs. Okay, that's that. And then she leaves her dad. She runs and finds this guy that she wants to hook up with who works at the movie theater. That happens. The next day she goes and she auditions for the thing. She doesn't get it, but her friend does. She... Um, comes back home. I think before that happens, though, she ends up killing the guy that she hooked up with. It was really crazy and random. And then she ends up killing her parents as well. All that to say, I forgot that she's also married and her husband is in the war. And so... Uh, her friend gets the dance part that she wants. She kills her friend. Her pa- she kills her parents. And then she puts her parents at the dinner table and lets them sit there and, and rot. I don't know what that reasoning was. And then her husband comes back home to see all the craziness that has happened. And she's just saying, welcome home, my honey. And then she starts crying in the camera for two minutes. And that's Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> that is Pearl. <laughs> that is Pearl. That's the plot. <laughs> that is Pearl. It's it's a lot and not a lot all at the same time. So uh, let's get into it. Our likes and gripes of this movie. And now our likes and gripes. Jamie, do you want to start? Um, sure. I love this movie. Um, it was so good. Um I had no idea what to expect. Again, look at me not reading the plot before I see Yay. a movie. <laughs> so good. How exciting. Um, but yeah, I had no idea what to expect. I I was very pleasantly surprised just to see like Mia Goth. A huge like is just Mia Goth. Mia Goth is like the new contemporary screen queen. Like give all of the attention. Give her all of the jobs. She's excellent. Um and, and like, also like this story is really good. It's exciting to know that she collaborated with Ty West and like came, like they came up with a really solid backstory origin for Pearl. And like, you know, I still want more. I like, can't stop thinking about just like her as a character. And like, mm-hmm. I just want to know more about all of the, the treachery and murders that she gets into between now and when X takes place. So it's just, it's so interesting that they've been able to create such a compelling, interesting character that I am like, you know, so like not infatuated with, cause obviously mm. she's, you know, got a little, got a little something going happening. on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like just her in this, like her in her prime ready to take on the world, but being held back by like, you know, 
these life expectations that are both being put on her explicitly by her mom, but also because her her husband leaves her and is serving in World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it's just like this intersection of all of these things combined that kind of incite all of this violence. Um, but yeah, I I love Mia Goth is like my ultimate like in this movie. Um, I don't really, I mean, I didn't have a lot of gripes because I, I had no expectations, I think, going into it. Mm-hmm. I, it's not like the scariest movie, but I don't really think I needed it to be, at least like within the context of this trilogy that we're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, because like X is pretty scary enough. And like, that's not what I think they were setting out to do. And I, I connected with that. So I wasn't, you know, mad that there wasn't more gore, but like the gore we get is, is like pretty ruthless and disturbing, mm-hmm. and like disgusting. Um, so like, I'm, I'm satisfied with, you know, the, the ick that, that we get from Pearl. Um, but it is interesting. I don't know. I, I'm thinking like, I don't really have a gripe, but there was more stuff I think with like the projectionist character that I kind of wish we got that like Mm. planted because like there's something like Pearl's the scene where she like uh, goes and finds the scarecrow and is like fantasizing with the scarecrow and then like Mm. starts like having sex or like simulating sex with the scarecrow. And then like she does have sex with the projectionist who I think she's imagining um, when she's doing that dancing scene. But like, I don't know, there's something about him showing her the pornography for the first time and then connecting back to X that I like, am very curious about because again, like in X there, you know, Mia Goth is playing Pearl and, and Maxine and they're both like kind of connected with one another but it's not just because they're playing the same person. It's also just because of like, they both want the same thing. They're Mm -hmm. just in two different places in their life. But like, there's something about the pornography that I feel like also brings this, like bridges this gap between them. Um, So I guess what I'm saying is I just want more. My, my gripe is that like, I want more of Pearl. I could watch like a whole, I'm going to watch like a 10 movie like, you know, expand the trilogy, give me more Pearl. Um, yes. that's, that's, these are my demands and I, <laughs> yes. I need you to give this to me. Thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I agree. Of course, Mia Goth is everything, but I really want to comment on how much I enjoyed how this movie was filmed uh, with all of the old timey vintage shots and the orchestration, um, because when the opening scene happens, and I already put my first note was, I'm already invested with the old-timey opening, because you have this glorious orchestration that's happening, and it feels like, you know, you're in a 1930s, 40s glamour movie, you know, and all these people, what Vera, Vera Ellen is going to just come out and start doing a dance number or whatever. Like that's the feel of it. And I love movies like that in general. So this was just top tier for me. Uh, it also just adds to the juxtaposition of you knowing that something wrong is happening and in the atmosphere and bad things are going to happen, but it's just with overlaid with this beautiful orchestration that oh, I can go on for 
dates about. Uh, and which I put the orchestration is stellar. And I, I <laughs> will say my only gripe that I had is that at the tiniest bit of times, it felt a little bit slow. I remember just like looking at looking at my watch and saying, oh my gosh, it's it's <laughs> it's been an hour and I feel like it's been a little bit longer than that. But it only felt that way for a second. And like Jamie mentioned, the the um the gruesome nature of everything. I said, this is not very I want the deaths to be a little bit more gruesome. And then the end happens. And I said, okay, never mind. <laughs> I got what I needed <laughs> from, from this. It's fine. Um, one of my favorite lines was, I feel things very deeply because if that's not a cancer, I don't know what is. Um, that was, <laughs> it's not the same thing. <laughs> Fellow cancer, you get it. So I was like, oh God, why am I identifying with this it's so much? Um I definitely loved uh, again with the filming aspect of it. The I don't I don't know what kind of shot that is, but it's with like the little ring into the blackouts. Um, I'm doing it with my hands. You can't see it on uh, if you're just <laughs> listening. But oh, you mean like the the transitions? Yeah, uh huh. Just like closing out with like the circle into yeah. the uh, blackout. Mm-hmm. The I Looney Tunes that. transition is what I think you mean. Yes. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. The transition. Uh, I love it. Again, I said the filming of this is incredible. Oh, another one of my favorite lines was um, when her friend asked, how come you're not scared? And she said, I guess I'm just used to the feeling. <laughs> and how messed up is, is that? Also, Mia Goth needs an Oscar for these roles. Um, and again, the three-picture idea is genius on Ty West's part. I, just looking at my notes. Uh oh yeah, and when I put never mind, this is really gruesome. Oh, and then the end when she's smiling at the camera and then starts crying for ten minutes, I lost my mind. <laughs> like this is the greatest thing ever. She is the greatest actress. This is wonderful. Just to have the camera on you for that long to where everyone feels awkward in the audience, and she is just still living in that moment. You don't she has so much going on in her brain and just the slow smiling to the crying was just brilliant and, and genius. And this movie in general, it's very disturbing, but in a way that is weirdly satisfying because how everything plays out. Yeah. uh, It's yeah. It, I, I would say it's not so much scary as it was just very disturbing and I felt kind of on the edge of my seat the whole time because I felt so just yucky and icky from everything that was happening. Um, but how everything played out, it was just very satisfying. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Brian? Yeah, I really loved this movie too. I just didn't know what to expect. And I loved what we got. Um, I, I echo everything you've both said. Um, I want to get more specific about what Nikisha said. The juxtaposition of like this 1939 Wizard of Oz type movie where you have the orchestrations, you have the title sequences and things like that. um, Because you have the blue dress that reminds you of Dorothy. You have the scarecrow, obviously, the cornfields. You have this concept of like wanting to break free and go into a world that is not like your own, like the movies. Um, You know, all of that stuff is just like, I mean, the way she rides her bike is like Elmira Gulch. 
um, when uh, before she becomes, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West in her dreams or reality or however you want to define the Wizard of Oz. But like this was like clearly pulling from that. And I and I was absolutely here for it. And then, like Nikisha said, the juxtaposition of that versus what was actually happening was fantastic. Um, I like the porn introduction here uh, just so that you got a little taste of that. It kind of like as just like a, a constant through these um, her screams were incredible in these. Um, and, the, and when she's sobbing after she doesn't get the role at the end is just like, is it was very unsettling. Um, uh, I, I loved the concept of the background of the pandemic and the world war one, but specifically about the fact that our family are immigrants from Germany. So it's even more pressure for them because they are German immigrants during world war one. People want nothing to do with them because of the nature of who we're fighting in world war one. So that was absolutely like, Oh, it's a way to like add so much more tension than what's actually happening in the storyline. And I absolutely felt it. Um, uh, the kills were more effective with me for me with a slow burn at the end. I think I was more invested in like what was happening to Pearl and, and her decision-making in those moments. Um, I, I, a, a love of this movie is those little cut shots of her imagining what it would be like when um, her husband came home so you have the you have the two you have the two complete opposite ends of the spectrum on one side you have her imagining him coming home like coming around the barn it's windy out she's with the clothes pins putting out the clothes on the lines and she turns around and he's there and it's this like it's this movie moment where like, oh, the boy is home from the war. Then you have when she's crushing the crocodile egg, the alligator egg, on the other side of the spectrum, he explodes. The total opposite end of the spectrum that's just like so wild, your imagination, crazy. And then, and then during my biggest like of this movie is her monologue at the end. Um, mm. You have her talking about those things. The movie doesn't explicitly say what she's feeling until those last moments. They're showing you everything. And then she finally says what it is. And she falls somewhere right in between being so happy and loving him and just being so fucking mad at him. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, and, and I think that that is just so well laid out in this movie. Um, uh, it, it and I think what I like the most about this movie is it it is an X prequel without explicitly being an X prequel. In that, yeah. I feel the connection. But let's let's even pretend Mia Goth didn't play both of them. I feel the connections between the character of Pearl and the character of Maxine. Because here Pearl is with the weight of the world on her, her parents holding her back. Her dad got the flu, got the, you know, and so therefore he was, you know, incapacitated. She has to take care of them. The expectations of her mother, her family holding her back for what she actually wants to do, show business, is what makes her turn. It was what makes her, you know, you know, have these immense feelings and have to take action on it. Mm -hmm. Then you have Maxine, who, if you remember from the TV, her father was the preacher. So we can make the assumption that, like, she's doing something to break away from how she grew up in this very religious, um, potentially dangerous religious, um, misogynist religious 
um, household that's only I'm making assumptions based on the type of creature he was um, on uh, on the TV that was in the background that we saw. Um, mm-hmm. So she is breaking through and she wants to do this. And I feel like she and Pearl are like two peas in a pod because they're kind of going through the same thing, just making different decisions. And one is taking, again, one is taking like a, a, a less traveled road, let's say, with the porn industry um, mm-hmm. and to make that happen. So this gets me very excited for Maxine. Is Maxine just going to be about, you know, Maxine like using the power of like Pearl and her power meaning like who she is who this character is and how it's kind of like transferred and spoiler alert Maxine kills Pearl in X so like you wonder like how she's going to carry like all of that with her is this going to be a slasher type is this going to be just like a dirty porn industry thing like is this going to be like Pearl and Maxine finally get their big break. And by Pearl, I'm 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 tying Pearl's hopes and dreams to Maxine at this point. Of course. So like yeah. I just think the flow of this, I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about this. It's just so brilliant. It's so heady. It's so visceral. It's so wonderful. And never in a million years that I think Pearl was making the wrong decision for Pearl. She was making the wrong decisions because like you don't murder people. But also like <laughs> I I fundamentally just to just want to let you all know. I think that Pearl made the right decisions for Pearl. I do not condone murder. Exactly. Um, well, I just thought that all of her murders were completely justified for her point of view. And the movie goes out of its way or maybe not out of its way because that's the point of the movie to show why she would make these decisions based on what her wants and what her needs are. And it just like totally knocked it out of the park and blew it away for me. And I cannot wait for Maxine. Yes. I do want to uh, tack on to that just because I'm thinking about when she murdered her friend because you think her sister-in-law bit, yeah her sister-in-law yes. Oh, oh, oh. yes and you you think you know for a second it, it's just so weird that you say that because for me in that scene I was just thinking as the sister-in-law what would I do to make Pearl not kill me because obviously like Pearl spilled all of the things that she has done. And so obviously the sister-in-law can't live because she knows that Pearl's murdered all of these people. So instead of me thinking, oh, Pearl, don't murder your sister-in-law, I'm thinking, sister-in-law, okay, what can we do to make sure that Pearl, we can fool Pearl into thinking, you know, she's okay, we're not afraid of her, (laughs) what can we do? And I think that just speaks on what you were talking about, Brian, in general of justifying Pearl's actions because of the goals that she has. And you just go along with it as, as an audience member, even though the decisions are not the decisions that we would make, Sure, you know, but we can, we can justify it by her life and, and what she's, and what she's trying to do in her goals. So it's just so good. Yes. Can I ask you to, Jamie and I already talked about this, but you said this mm-hmm. in your um, plot summary. And here's a question I have that I still don't know the answer to, although I do subscribe to one side of it. Okay. When Pearl, at the end of the movie, when Pearl asks her sister-in-law, did she get it? She first, the part, she first answers, no, I didn't get it. And then she changes her answer to, I did get it. Um... Nikisha, do you, I think you said it, it's clear, but I want to clarify. Do you think that her sister-in-law actually got the part? 
How they set it up, I think that she did get the part only because they were saying we're looking for somebody who's blonde and younger and, and all that stuff. And so, and it's, it's hard because how this actor played that role was, was brilliant in the sense of, no, I didn't get it, but should, because of what's happening, should I just say yes and not fight with her? Because maybe if I start this confrontation with her, that might be what initiates Pearl to do something drastic. All that to say, I think that she did end up getting the part. Do y'all think so or no? I agree with you. I think she did get the part. Okay. Brian. I, I, there's, when I, when I watched the movie and they had mentioned that the blonde haired person was there with what they were looking for, like you mentioned, Nikisha, Mm -hmm. I, the actress in that moment convinced me that she did not get it. And she was so relieved that she did not get it at the beginning of that conversation um, so that she could tell Pearl, like, oh, no, I didn't get it. Like, we're, we're the same. Like, like that. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. she devolves into, oh, I did get it because that's what Pearl wants to hear. Like, Right. So that's, that's where I stand. Even though you don't agree, Nikisha, you explained it the best way possible in terms of, like, what that actress and that character was going through. So th- yeah. I subscribe to that. Obviously, the answer is it doesn't matter because either answer Pearl was going to kill her. Um, right. But, like, I think she didn't get it and is was killed because she was trying to bargain with someone who could not be bargained with in that moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I could subscribe either way. Like, if Ty West came out and said, yes, she did or yes, she didn't, it makes sense either way based, again, on how the actress was playing it or how or how it was written. Because like you said, Brian, either way, she was going to be dead. So it's wild and crazy kids over here. Yeah. Uh, but I, have, I have more questions for you, too. Yes, yes, yes. Two things. I guess this is one big question, but I want to hear your narrative creations. <laughs> what happens next? Like, what do you think happens next? So we get the two-minute incredible performance over the credits with with her with her husband coming home we know from from x that Mm -hmm. she loves him so much he would do anything for her like we know that they get to a really good and and he's kind of like along for the ride in terms of the terrible things that she's doing in x what what do you think happens in between this and x i'd love to hear your like you're just like high level narrative yeah, Jamie, you want to start? I I mean, <laughs> I have no idea. I feel like part of like <clears throat> part of their relationship is like she's so upset that he abandoned her and then all of this stuff happens. I can see a world where he's like doing these things with her to make up for the fact that he left mm. and like that, you know, even though these things happened while he wasn't here, I don't know if he feels any like guilt or remorse for the things she did. Like I could see a, Oh, you know, if I was here, then none of this would have happened. But then also, you know, in X we get him being complicit in these things. So like, at what point does it then become like, well, you know, I'm, I am along for the ride. Like I'll do whatever you want because I love you so much, or I'll do whatever you want because like, I'm so guilty for having left you that mm. time. Like anything connected to that, that's kind of what 
what I feel like, but I, I am like, that's, that's what I'm super curious about. Not just like all of, all of Pearl's exploits, but like, when does he get bought into it? What, what does he even think about it? Because I mean, maybe we're to assume, I I don't really know. We get very little of him in this. We get nothing of him in this. So like, is he, is he similar to her or does he just love her so much that it doesn't matter? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point too, because at the end of the day, she also killed uh, his sister. So how do you, how do you say, okay, it's fine, which makes me kind of think that mm, maybe he was a little bit afraid of her. I think it's, it's, it could be a combination of things. Cause I agree with you, Jamie of the, Oh, I feel guilty for leaving and this is the love of my life. So I will subscribe to whatever you're about, especially mm-hmm. if she's open and honest about how, cause it seems by the time you get to X, she's very open and honest about her murderous nature and, you know, how she reacts to things and, and all that stuff. But I also just think that, he might just be a little bit afraid of her. And also during that time period, you know, what what was he going to do? They have a whole house now to themselves that they don't have to worry about her parents or any of that kind of paperwork, you know? Like, it, would he just turn her in and then she goes to jail? And then what happens to him? I mean, he just came back from a war. Why would he want to create confrontation in his home base when he just came from something that was so tragic and he survived it. So it also might just be, okay, what's the best way for me to survive this and be happy with this situation? Uh, Because what would be the alternative, you know, lose the person that you love and then what do you do? (laughs) So I, I don't know. I think it's, 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 it's a combination of things. What about you, Brian? Okay. I, I agree with both of you. I think he comes – this is – again, I'm making this up, obviously, because this movie doesn't exist. Um, so in, I think what happens is he comes back from the war. He has to be on her side because she killed his sister. So, like, you, you'd think that, like, he goes one of two ways. He gets freaked out and he runs and he tells the police and, like, all of this stuff. Or he stays and tries to fix things. And And I'm sure, one, you can – you can, it's very, during that time, I would assume it's very easy to say that like the older people died of the flu and you just like bury yeah. them on the land. That's fine. The sister, you could say she ran away to join the circus or like she, or whatever, like you, or even flu. You can just bury the three of them in the backyard and say like, they got the flu. We're quarantining here or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like there are ways to like fake it and get around it. I think that I, I agree. I think there's some guilt that he probably thinks that it was his fault because he left. I think that um, he probably has severe PTSD or shell shock from the trenches in World War One, And I'm wondering if like going along with like her murderous ways or um, you have one way. He helps to murder and whatnot. And like they're probably like banging a lot over the course of these years. And like because like part of the reason that she goes on this murderous rage in X is because she can no longer have sex with her husband because it would kill him. So I'm wondering if like they have all these years of just like wild erotic experiences with each other that like 
like help to keep the two of them in line him with his like wild shell shock who like loves the hell out of his wife and her with these like aggressively pent up feelings of being left behind which she always obviously still have like i can imagine that kind of being a scenario there because it seems that pearl has had these tendencies forever regardless and this might lead us into mm, brains but like she has these like pent up things and it just feels like we're seeing this movie because this is why this movie takes place at this point in time because this is when she snaps with all the things that are pent up previously and then and only exacerbated by her husband being away, her being German in America during World War One, and her having to take care of her parents, all of this during a pandemic. So like and being trapped at home because there's that amazing scene where they bring the, the pig to them. Yeah. And she's like, we don't need any help. Like stop being helpful. Like she also talks about how like they're never out of the house. Like they've been cooped up here forever. Like so and then I think that's how you get to X. I'm wondering if like. I'm wondering if porn ever comes back into Pearl's life or she's triggered by them making it because it reminds her of like one of the biggest mistakes that she did of like disrespecting her husband in a sexual way and like emotionally connecting with someone else. I don't know. I think there's a lot of cool stuff in there, but the end of this movie reminded me of ready or not a little bit where it's like, like how how, how are you going to get out of this situation? (laughs) Like, like no one's going to like, it doesn't matter. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And um, so that that's – I could see that. And her just like going to the movies all the time and just like yeah. like something like that. Anyway, back to you, Nikita. So what you're saying is you're going to make the sequel to Pearl that's yeah. – so we can answer all of these questions. <laughs> yeah. It will be called Thanks, Pearl 2, Pearly <laughs> McGurley. No. Pearl 2. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Pearl. Electric Boogaloo, yes. We like it. We stand for it. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, yeah, let's just go ahead and go into mm, brains. brains. The first thing that I want to talk about, which is piggy piggy's back off of Brian's last statement of everything that was going on in, in her brain and why she was doing the things that she was doing. And it makes me question because her mother mentions that she has a lot of evil that's inside of her that she has known for a long time and was just trying to really kind of suppress that and having a war and a pandemic just kind of helped (laughs) with the, with that because now you can't leave the house and you can't go and, you know, have any other kind of influences in your life that might feed into that evil nature. So we do a thing here on talking horror of, is it a Billy or Stu? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos for creative. It's a scream, baby. Billy or Stu. <laughs> and that's mostly when we're talking about uh, psychopath versus sociopath. But I think that, and I'm asking you, Jamie, this is the first question. Do you think it's Pearl falls into one of those categories or do you think that it's something different? To me, it seems like in our talks, which I am not <laughs> licensed in anything, but in our talks and discussions, it feels like she doesn't really fit clean into either one of those categories. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I I also do, I say with the caveat that like, do people very neatly fall into any of these categories? I would say no. Yeah. And so- I think that, you know, with the DSM and diagnostic, like diagnosing people, like take it all with a grain of salt. It's, 
for some people, they, you know, really are looking for some kind of label to better understand what they're experiencing. Cause that also for some people helps them see that there are solutions to what they're experiencing. Now that I know what it is, I know that I can deal with it. Um, but for, for other people, you know, that's not the case. And again, I don't think people like fit neatly into boxes, but for, you know, fantasy and fun. Um, I kind of do think that she, that Pearl falls more into a stew from Scream. And I think this because I think that, I don't think that Pearl, at least at this point, is very, in some ways is not very in control of her emotions. Like she says that she feels things super deeply. I think that she like, you know, has these very intense emotions and like does not feel like she has any control over them. And like, then things just happen. And I think that like, you know, a lot of the circumstances are, are not well planned out. They're, they're crimes of like extreme anger or passion, like passion, but not like romantic passion. It's just like, you know, intense feeling. Um, so I, I do think that she kind of falls more in that like sociopath bucket of, you know, she's she's not in control of her emotions. She's just reacting to things and is not thinking through like these plans at all. Um, maybe you could say that she like thought a little bit more about killing her father because like that's the person that she feels like is the one thing holding her back from pursuing this dream. And like, if it wasn't for her father, who's infirmed that she would, you know, just leave. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like that, we see it when she takes him down to the waterfront where the crocodile is. um, And it's like, Oh, is she going to like serve her dad to this crocodile? Um, And then gets caught by the mom. And so like that plan is derailed. Um, But then later on, you know, after she already has this tussle with her mom and her mom is dying, she decides that that's the moment that she is going to kill her father. And then she goes back later and in her monologue, she references it and says she regrets it and regrets like doing that in that way. So I I really think that she's, you know, she, I don't know if she necessarily has like total remorse, maybe some, but like not a lot, not... I mean, I, I think that there's a degree of empathy that is lost when you are okay with committing murder. Yes, so for sure. For she, sure. Can, she can regret her actions, but I think it's also more about herself and not about like, you know, having just murdered her father or right. her mother or her sister-in-law, like any of these people. I think it's just like her feeling badly that that's the way it went, but like how does this then impact her? Right. No, that makes absolute sense. And in regards to her being so young and taking care of her parents, can you just talk about the impact or influence it can have on a child's life when you have adult responsibilities put on to you at such a young age? Yeah. I mean, it's not just responsibilities, but like, you know, there's something to like parentification, Mm. And like putting, putting, you know, more adult things on young people and like how, 
how that can sometimes cause harm. And maybe it's not looking exactly the same as, as what's happening here. But like, I do think that, you know, at least for her, her very limited ability to like go out and, and live her life. Although I don't, I mean, we don't really know how old Pearl is at this point. Like she's a young adult because I'm assuming because she's married, but like definitely on the younger end of things. Um, now, now this time we can actually figure it out because she's not pretending to be another age. Um, oh my gosh! Yes. So let's 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 do the uh, let's do the math. Okay. So what she got married? Give her benefit of the doubt. She got married at like seventeen, sixteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, so we have like so this place at nineteen eighteen. So 1920, 1920, uh, 1930, uh, hold on, 19, oh wow, I can't believe this is being recorded. Math is hard. Yeah, so like, (laughs) so you have, so 1918 and 1920 is 10 years, excuse me, 1928, 38, 48, 58, 68, and then 70, so that's 60 years after this, so ish. So if she's, so maybe she's 20-ish, which makes her 80-ish. In um in X, in X. Yeah. yes. How no. is she so strong in X? I still don't understand it. How is she doing all of these murders? This eighty-year-old woman is impaling people. Like I don't get it. That one stabbing scene yeah. will still be my gripe, even though I still really enjoy the movie. I'm just like, how is this woman so strong? So strong. So strong. She's yeah, got those. She's, doing she's, got, she's got those farm <laughs> muscles. You know what I mean? Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. She's eighty years old, and she's got those farm muscles. You know. Listen, she was she was wielding that axe in, mm. in Pearl, so yeah, she's ready. Yeah, if we lived in the nineteen like nineteen eighteen or whatever it is, and worked on a farm, we'd all have way better cardio and upper body strength. <laughs> Nikisha, I mean, Nikisha like boxes, so like she's she's she has yes. it, but like we 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 pod, I podcast. I don't, I don't cut wood. <laughs> yeah. You should pivot to another TikTok channel where you just start chopping wood. Yeah. Or, oh, or, yeah. And then one day, like Captain America, I'll be able to like rip it. <laughs> right. All right. Anyway, mm-hmm. back to oh, my Yes. <laughs> that was great. I, in, just the lumberjack TikTok. I can't even with that. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be it's good stuff at, there, people. At, okay. at lumberjacked. Uh, at the, oh God. That's good. Jack talk. Thank you. Lumber talk. Jack talk. Uh, lumber talk. Lumber talk. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right, back to you. Sorry. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, yeah. So you just talking about the the influences of uh, the, like how does that impact? you, when you become an adult, um, having all of those childlike responsibilities, I think you started talking about it and then we got veered off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it, it kind of, uh, it's like, I mean, I think again, context is super key, but Mm -hmm. the, like what I'm thinking about is like, you know, some people who feel like they lost out on those, like, youth experiences, those experiences Mm -hmm. that like people get in childhood do, is there then like a, not infantilizing of themselves, but you know, 
going back in some ways to some of those experiences that they did not have because they never had access to them. And it's like making up for lost time. And, and, you know, is that always the healthiest or, I mean, like who, who am I to judge, but like, is it always like helpful, um, to, to kind of like feel like regressing in some ways? Um, yeah, that reminds me, I mean, you even talking about that reminds me of Michael Jackson and all of the things Mm. that he said that he missed out on as a kid. And so as adults, we're looking at him and, and the things that he chooses to put into his life or put on his land that are very childlike things, um, amusement park, parks and stuff. But he also says it's because he didn't get to do all those things when he when he was a kid. And that was just kind of, it seems like a way of, like you said, coping with that. And is that the healthiest? Maybe not. But what do you think would be a better way to kind of cope with those feelings because they they don't go away. But if you can't buy yourself an amusement park, like what can you do, (laughs) you know, (laughs) to feel those experiences, but not actually regressing? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like the answer is always just like therapy, duh. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's an excellent answer. (laughs) yeah okay great um yeah I mean I think like there is something to like having to process some of these things like there are people who are revisiting those past experiences in therapy all the time so I think that there's something to like you know can you like you can't change the past but what can you do at least in the present so that the future is more aligned with like the way that you want it to be Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, how do you, how do you like move closer towards that, that future that's like in line with your goals and your values? Are yeah. you holding anything from the past that's like continuing to have an impact on you? If it is like experiences from childhood experiences, like with your parents, mm-hmm. those things, like, you know, the past definitely informs our present, but how much is it controlling our present and our future? Absolutely. And don't, do the thing of when you do get older and you have lost experiences, don't put that on your kids, guys. Yep. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. We yep, kind of yep. see that too with this and, and the mother kind of explaining some of the things that she wanted to do. And it wasn't um, as like, oh, I didn't do this, so you're going to do it now. It was kind of like, oh, I didn't get to do this, so you're not going to do it either types, which is still bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like – like there's something narcissistic about that. Like narcissists mm. who have children, like very much view that child as an extension of themselves, not yeah. as like a separate identity. And so it's, you know, what is it about like Pearl's mother and the things that she didn't have, or like this resentment maybe even towards Pearl because like her own husband is now paralyzed and like can't, you know, help her mm. and is is really not like, you know, they're not at this like equal playing field. It seems like in this partnership, like we hear Pearl's mother crying and like, clearly she's like carrying these emotions, but in terms of the relationship between Pearl and her mother, you know, she's not expressing these emotions to Pearl for one reason or another. Is it because there's this like 
you know, lack of love for her daughter? Is it because Mm. she fears her daughter? Is it because she's jealous of her daughter, of her daughter's youth? And like, you know, that her life is still, she's the rest of her life to like, you know, look forward to and, and she doesn't anymore. Like all of these things are kind of like simmering under the surface and then explode in that, in that altercation. Yeah. All I can think about is, uh, Jeanette McCurdy's book and her Mm. talking about her mom putting all of that childhood stardom on her and how that kind of has affected her and her life and, and things that she's still even now processing after her mother has Mm -hmm. passed and even not, and not even being an actor for such a long time. Like it's been a few years that she stopped acting after her Nickelodeon days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's it's so interesting the, where it comes from the parents and uh, them kind of just putting their thing on the child. And mm-hmm. at that point, it it is really it is really hard because you, like you said, you have to kind of think, did she even want Pearl in the first place? You know, and if if so, you know why? Because even didn't they say Pearl she had a baby, but the baby died, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that was like while her husband was already off at the war. So yeah, it's just so it's, it's so interesting and it's, it is hard being a parent. We do not know that life and we are not judging people's decisions Mm-mm. and choices because that is not our reality, but it is interesting, but we have parents and, you know, seeing, seeing just how, a parent can kind of just put their trauma, put their problems on, on the child. It's very interesting to see how mm-hmm. that plays more than what we think it does in the progression, in the development of, of the child, which is always such an interesting thing. And I think it's always, it's so funny to the trope of psychologists in, in movies and stuff. Cause they're always like, let's talk about your parents. Let's talk. And it's always like, we're going to start at, because it always starts with the parents and yep. again, a trope thing, because that's not always the case, but it's just funny that that is <laughs> what's always a thing. Let's look at your parents. How did, how did they treat you? But it's, it's, it, mm-hmm. they're the most influential people in your life, in your developmental mm-hmm. stages. So it makes sense. Yeah. But, Anyway, Brian, did you have any other uh, questions for Jamie? Uh, I have one for you, Nikisha. Yes. Uh, she has this. Spe- Mia Goth has a spectacular monologue at the end, and ninety mm. percent of the monologue is on her. Does not cut away to the sister-in-law. It does at the beginning, but then like you hit a point in the monologue where it's just on her in a one take. I know that you're mostly and primarily a theater actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't have to get into kind of the, the camera and, and all of that, but I guess like, I mean, theater more than anyone has the monologues, has the long yeah. speeches where there are tons of objectives and emotions and you're doing it there in the moment without cut. Um, uh, similarly to the way that I'm, I'm assuming that Mia Goth did those in one take, did them a couple times and they, they put them yeah. together however they wanted to. Um, but I guess my question for you is like, how do you even begin to tackle that amount of text and 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 make it engaging and interesting? Because like inherently our our um our attention spans are so small nowadays. And yes. I know that you're in the theater to specifically see this movie or you know or or show. Like I guess in today's world, how would you go about making something like that as dynamic as she made it? 
Yeah. Well, you know, I think it, and this is totally just my opinion because I don't know what the process was for doing this, but I really think it starts with the writing. And I feel like because she had a hand in writing the script, she could write something that she knew she could present in an engaging way, if that makes sense. Totally. So I would just start with there, but I also think that everything does go back to stage acting because like you said, Brian, there's so many like soliloquies and and things that that are happening in theater that you have to just sit there and engage in it because not like TV and movies where you can kind of cut to different. Because I, in that moment, I was waiting for the camera to cut to the Me sister-in-law. Me too, because they did it at the, the beginning time. and then it stopped. Yes. Yeah, and then totally. It stopped yeah. Until she was completely done. Because, but I think that that's genius too, because we're all just sitting there on the edge of our seats wondering how is this sister in law taking this? And I think the fact that they didn't oh, show it, kept I got goosebumps us engaged as well. You gave me yeah. goosebumps by that explanation, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I think that that adds to it. So the writing, the fact that it didn't cut to it, and of course, just Mia Goth's performance in, in general. When we're talking to people, and this, I think it most, it, it reflects more of real life, because if you are having a one-on-one conversation with the person, you can't cut to look at another thing, you know, you are engaged in what that person is, is saying and what they're talking about. And I think because that is a reflection of, of real life, it makes the audience feel like we're the ones sitting across because, oh, you're telling us all this, even though as an audience member, we know that she already did this, but she's confessing it. And it seems like she's confessing it to us individually as, as audience members, which I think is, is really cool. And again, the build of, of how she talks about it, the ebb and flow of things that make her emotional and the things that don't make her as emotional. She is teary eyed at some things, but then she kind of regains herself to finish out what she needs to say and it's and in the writing it's good because you're imagining what she's saying especially when she's talking about my husband left me and this is how i felt when he left me and now as you're listening to it you're imagining it for yourself it gives you more work to do which makes it more engaging because you it's not flashing they could have flashed to back when he left you know and while she's sure, talking sure. it could have been like an overlay of of that kind of thing you know whatever but it's not it's uh I'm watching you do this. I'm processing what you're saying. And I'm also imagining what you're saying because you're telling me this kind of detailed story. So that's giving me extra work to do. And that's what's keeping me engaged in that. So that's a couple of things there. <laughs> sure. Also, something that it, uh, it, it, in her performance of that, it built in a way that was really engaging in terms of like, if I look at first, she was like struggling to get these things out and then like not sure mm-hmm. if she should be sharing it. And at one point, I always use this this analogy. It's like you're cutting wrapping paper, then all of a sudden you hit the slide and you just like, yeah. you're just like nothing else matters. You're like all in it. Like it, that it felt like That's that great. too. Um, yeah, absolutely. I have a, I have a, um, something else we didn't talk about. I just wanted to briefly bring up before we do some Rotten Tomatoes. Um, mm-hmm. The whole audition sequence at the end from them waiting in line for them switching in line to them like telling watching girls come out crying to her going in and then auditioning in front of this very stoic, almost apathetic group of uh, people sitting at the table and then her starting to dance. And then like it felt very Napoleon Dynamite, even though she's doing a good job. And then you flash to her and like this 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 Ziegfeld 
like you know big production number on movies and then and then her freaking out on the stage and then everybody on the panel turning to people she's murdered during this whole movie or mm-hmm. and, and like and all of that just like the the flipping between her psychotic nature in that moment and psychoticness is not necessarily as a negative term just like the psychosis she's going through in those moments and like the reality of what's happening around her with her like heavy sobbing after that is true is truly an incredible what like 15 minutes in this movie yes. because like you have all this build up and then everything after it supports what happened there and everything before it builds up to that moment it was just crazy dynamic from a direction acting and just conceptual standpoint like knocked it out of yeah. the park for me because you have to think, and I think that also adds to the argument of her friend did get the role because if they hadn't have switched spots, do you think they would have just picked the sister-in-law and told everyone else to go home? We found our person. We don't need to see anybody oh. else, you know? Or would they have kept auditioning? Because then that would have changed the narrative of she didn't even get to, Pearl didn't even get to audition because the sure. sister-in-law was ahead of her and already got it. You know, or, or on the flip, even on the other flip side of that is now Pearl is thinking, well, if I didn't switch, I would have had another moment to like actually prepare a little bit more or mm-hmm. like, you mm-hmm. know, the switch affected somehow. I don't know. I'm now making things up, but that's an inter- <laughs> interesting point, too. Anyway, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. So should be Rotten Tomatoes this. Yes. Yeah. Let's do. Yes. 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 Let's yes. do. Rotten- yeah, I gotta do the dance that she does. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> God, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. How many, how many blonde girls does he need? Right. Yeah. Look at all the people. Okay. Rotten Smith. Rotten Smith. Stick around to watch the to the end of this YouTube video to watch Brian do the whole dance. Yeah. yeah. This was just a prequel to a chorus line. Her That's husband really is Zach. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yes, yes. I mean, that's absolutely. the 70s, right? I don't know. Anyway, um, okay. So what do you think Pearl has on Rotten Tomatoes as of today? Uh, we're doing this on Sunday, September 18th. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. I'm going to say 88. Hmm. All right. Jamie? I'm going to say 91. Okay. Before I tell you what it is, as a refresher, X has a 94% with 213 reviews. Okay. Okay. Um, X also has an audience score of 75% with over 500 reviews. Okay. Mm. Pearl Mm -hmm. has a... Uh, has a Rotten Tomato score of 86% mm. um, with only 96 reviews. And its audience score is 83% higher than hmm. X, but it yeah. only has a little bit over 100 reviews versus a 500. So that might bring it down. Who knows? Um, yeah. But the critic consensus on Pearl is... Pearl finds Ty West squeezing fresh gore out of the world he created with X and once again benefiting from a brilliant Mia Goth performance. Yeah. Yeah. Squeezing fresh gore. Right. Ah, that's so good. Squeezing fresh. Yes. It's like orange juice. 
squeezed yeah. fresh. <laughs> ah, yeah, some cones. Mm. Beautiful. So let's do uh, some four S's. Yeses. Scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> All right. The four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. We're going to do skulls, scares, and shakes first, rating them one through ten. Then we'll do suggestions. Um, Skulls is how this movie handles mental health and human behavior. Uh, Scares is how scary was it. And um, shakes is how much will this uh, stay with you. And I will pass this to Jamie. Jamie, what were you? Jamie, what are your numbers? (laughs) Okay, so for whoever thinks that I'm too harsh, mm. I gave Skulls an eight, um, like Dark. mostly for that monologue at the end. It was just so incredible. Um, for Scares, sorry, this movie isn't very scary, but that's okay because I don't think that's the point. Um, so I gave it a two um, for the few spooky parts that we do get. Um, for shakes, I'm giving this a nine. This movie was incredible. I'm it's, you know, it's a really, really solid, I mean, who can say that like a sequel, I, I, you know, I'm sure a bunch of people will come for me, but like, you know, (laughs) sequels in horror movie franchises aren't always the best historically. Um, this one is excellent. So this is X, 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 excellent. Excellent. So it's going to stick around in my brain for a very long time. Um, I would just like to say that Jamie gave (laughs) X a five for shakes. And so she's giving a nine for Pearl. Cool. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Cool. Uh, Nikisha, you're up next. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, okay, I'm going to go a little bit higher with my score. So, well, Skulls, I, I gave it a seven. I'm going to keep it at a seven. I think it's should just stay there. Scares, it's not scary, but it was unsettling. So I'm going to give it a five for mm-hmm. Scares. And then Shakes, I'm going to give it an eight. It's just a beautiful film. And Mia Goth, Mia Goth, Mia Goth, Mia Goth. So, yes. Sure. Um, and just, you gave... I mean, you gave X a seven, so you still like this better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So um, I'm giving this uh, an eight. I was probably at like a six or a six-ish until that final monologue and the um, and the two-minute cry smile over the end credits. That bumped me up to an eight, no question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give this a four. I'm going to go in between the two of you for scares. Her heavy sobbing really unsettled me. I, I actually right. think that was the scare. Her screams and heavy sobbing, like, you know when you hear someone else sobbing or, like, crying or even just throwing up? Like, you get these, like, you get, you get the feelings that, like, you want to do the same thing. Like, I, I, yeah. I viscerally felt her through the screen. Um, and then I'm also giving this an 8. I gave it a 7 for Shakes, uh, for, for X, and I'm giving this an 8. It does not get an 8. If I hadn't seen X, if I saw this on mm-hmm. my own, this is probably like a six. Yeah. I but agree. X, X makes this a 10, uh, excuse me, an eight. Yeah. For me. All right. Mm-hmm. Suggestions. Uh, Jamie, what are you suggesting? Um, so I had a really hard time trying to think of like what I wanted to suggest, 
But I think, I know that we, <laughs> I feel like we say a lot of the same suggestions, but that's okay because we've also covered some of these as well. So, yeah. you know, you can give those old episodes a listen. Um, yes. But I'm going to suggest Starry Eyes as another, you know, film of somebody who just like, wants to be famous so badly and will do anything to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more that and then, you know, some some demonic things happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I think it's like a pretty comparable, uh, you know, theme. Yeah. Nikisha? I'm going to go with Carrie, which is what I was thinking the whole time I was watching this of – the mom situation mm. and uh, just the the drama of and getting trying to get what you want and so yeah, carry for me. Uh, that's a good one. Um, I am going to. I'm actually this is this is a little outside the box, <laughs> but I am gonna go with um, do revenge that we just watched. Hmm. Okay. Um, I I just think that or you could or you could watch misery um i would oh, say yeah. misery or do revenge misery just for like mm. fame and and like like just wanting your things that you love and how fame can you know all that stuff um yes but i would also say do revenge for mil- multiple reasons one i can't stop thinking about it mm. two um it just like breaks down like what people at at certain ages are going through um in totally different situations and time zones and and time periods i should say also time zones i would also agree um (laughs) um, that but also on top of that i think that there's an aspect of it where um you're you're taking a formula an origin story or a um a teen revenge movie and you're kind of doing something new and interesting with it um Mm -hmm. and i think that that even though i i also i saw them both this week so like Obviously, yeah. I see the similarities because I'm seeing them so close together. But yeah, I would say Misery or Do Revenge. Regardless, you should watch Do Revenge. Yeah, I can't wait. Do I got to put it on my, on my to-do list. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> well, that wraps up our episode of Pearl. You can follow us on the TikTok and the Instagram and YouTube at Talk Horror Pod. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us. Wherever you get podcasts. Are you getting those podcasts from Spotify? Maybe you're getting them from Google. Perhaps you're getting them from Stitcher. It doesn't matter because we're there. So go on those things. And then if you're on Apple Podcasts and you get us there, rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Thank you. Look, I'm not a ghost anymore. You can see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I will. I will. I will say that um, I know we're joking, but like reviewing us and rating us really does help um, pick up momentum for us. Um, it 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 helps us in terms of what's being suggested to other people. We're having a lot of fun doing this. We hope you're having a lot of fun listening or watching a little. Um, but yeah, rating I, and review us super super helps. Um, cool. Back to you, Nikisha. Beautiful. Well, I think we should sign off with that. Um, <laughs> critics consensus because that was that was a great quote. <clears throat> Pearl finds Ty West squeezing fresh gore out of the world he created with X, <laughs> and once again benefiting from Why? a brilliant Mia Goth performance. That was brilliant. <laughs> <Do you> <laughs>
That was absolutely brilliant. (laughs) Unhinged. Wait, wait, one last question. Is is Mia Goth now on everybody's, like, she's in a movie I need to see it list? Yeah. Yeah. For me, yes. I don't know about anybody else, but I would watch her do anything because, wow. Also, I just need to know all of her backstory, how old she is, where she went to school, what's happening, because she's brilliant. It's like her and Jenna Ortega, I think, are both on my like, oh, I'm like keeping an eye on them to see whatever stuff they're going to be in because yeah. they're they're both like really I mean, on fire right now. And speaking of uh, Starry Eyes, like Alex Esso after Starry Eyes, like definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's oh, sad. wait, one last thing. Did you peep that uh, our our fellow Kid Cuddy was also, he produced this as well? <gasps> No. Yeah, I saw his name pop up again. I was like, Kid Cuddy's back. Oh, great, great. I I needed more uh, crocodile attacks. Oh, that's that's the monster lover in you. Yeah. Give give me that crocodile. Yeah, I was like weirdly excited for her dad to be fed to the crocodile. Even though I knew it wasn't going to happen, I was was pumped. Anyway, bye. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. <laughs>